Hey, 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 everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. This week will be Black Mountainside. Not the Led Zeppelin song. Nope. But as always, as I said, our job here is to get stoned and talk about horror movies. So before we get to the movie part, let's get to the getting stoned. Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today as we hit our green hits? Nice. So I stopped by our friends over at Flower and picked up a pack of the Trouble Cake strain. And for those who are curious, this is a sativa-dominant hybrid strain. And for the most part, the genetics are based on the Gorilla Butter F2 and Pancake strains. Now, with that being said, the total cannabinoids over at Flower come in at about 27%. Total terpenes about 1.8%. As far as terpenes go... Your limonene, karyophyllene, and humulene are your tops, with uh, limonene coming in about half of that. Karyophyllene's about 0.46%, and humulene's about 0.18% on that. So those terpene profiles mean you're going to get notes of some lemon, some cinnamon, and hoppy flavors. And if you go by Leafly, they also say that you're going to get some flavors like chestnut, butter, and earthy flavors. So, okay. yeah, it's a strain I've had before. I think we've brought it over once before, maybe so. twice, but yeah, it's not bad. Mine's super easy. I'm tempted to just tell you to cut and paste from last week because <laughs> I didn't get my ass out of the house this okay. weekend to grab any new weed. It's going to be some Cap Junkie again, which is a cross of Alien Cookies and Kush Mints. Smells like sour fruit rind with hits of pepper, gas, and dank. This is coming in total cannabinoids at 29.5%, 1.5% for terps, with the top being limonene, linalool, and karyophyllene. Nice. Here's something, too. I think we've brought this up in the past, but Leafly, I don't know if there's something new that they're doing, or maybe it's just something that I've never seen before because I haven't been paying attention. They give you some similar strains, for those who are curious, I guess, on the truffle cake. It says, like, Thin Mints, Georgia Pie, Paradise Circus, and Gelato number 33 have very similar terpenes and effects. Oh. So, yeah, 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 maybe those are some decent complimentary buds, just in case you're trying to smoke along. And uh, Cap Junkie, it says, similar strains being Purple Papaya, Ginger Ale, Grape Marmalade, Cascade Orange, Turtle Pie, and a couple Damn. others. I like all that shit. Yeah. That's awesome. We'd also like to remind everybody about the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. Lowest level, you could listen to this last week. Middle level, you get our Patreon exclusive episodes. And our next one coming up is... Child's Play. Ooh, that's going to be fun. Well, who's play? Child's Play. <laughs> <laughs> and at the top level, you get access to like the Discord and shit. Yeah, for sure. Patreon.com slash fried squirms. And you know what? Before we move on into the movie so that we don't interrupt ourselves later. Arguably horror-adjacent, considering how satanic the second group was. Sure. Danny, me and you went to a concert this weekend. What did you think of Amun Amarth and Ghost? Well, the cool thing about it for me was I didn't go in with any expectations, which I try not to, regardless of who I'm seeing, you know? Mm -hmm. I knew a little bit about Ghost, knew nothing about Amon Amarth, so that was cool. But my takeaway was I had a really good time, Venue was really awesome. Both bands put on a really good show. We talked about the set designs, the stage props mm -hmm. and whatnot for both. And yeah, as good as they looked, they fooled us. <laughs> <laughs> At least the first band did. So that was really dope. But I think overall, man, it was just a good time. And I was doing like a lot of people watching too. Mm -hmm. 
and just knowing how, how everybody was having a good time, like there was no aggression. I didn't see anybody being aggressive at all. I mean, you know, outside of just like having passion for music. Right. Well, I <laughs> yeah. do think it is a venue that enforces no moshing. Okay. Well, that probably helps. But even if they did, I would still would have been like, yeah, that's fucking dope. Because yeah. it's, it, you know, I understand. Maybe not so much for Ghost. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but, um, man, yeah, I had a good time, dude. It was, it was a lot of fun. I agree. Great time. Finally got to see him on a Marth. I've seen Ghost before. I knew that yeah. they put on a good show, but hadn't seen some of those songs live because, you know, <laughs> some of them are newer than the last time I saw them. Absolutely. Um, no, fucking great all around. Plus, yeah. it's fucking wild getting that many people together that are singing along to explicitly satanic songs. <laughs> That's kind of funny, man. Cause and I mean, they're not satanists, no, but they make but... the songs tongue-in-cheek satanist. Of course. I mean, even the imagery, you know, it's mm -hmm. like a... <laughs> I mean, it's basically yeah, like a demonic, mocking. yeah, like it's Catholic a, church. Exactly, it's like it's mocking all that stuff. So, just knowing that, and even when we say the word satanic, it's going to conjure certain images, you know. But it's mm -hmm. like, no, everybody was like chill as fuck, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's like super chill. No uh, sacrifices or anything like that. Oh shit, I had something else I was going to ask about it, but whatever. I don't come to too you. much weed. Let's move on to the movie. And uh, let's get into the guts and bolts of Black Mountainside. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts, Black Mountainside, who and what went into the making and the... Who, I said that right, right? Who and what went into the making this... The shit that went into the making this movie, <laughs> spoiler-free. Start off with a spoiler-free setup for this movie, in case you don't know what a Black Mountainside is about. There's a research team in the far north of Canada that uncovers a potential pre-Mesoamerican, but Mesoamerican-looking temple ruin. You never get to see much of the temple. I don't want to say temple. It's a minor spoiler. You never get to see much <laughs> of the temple. And then things start to get weird. Yeah. Weirdness happens. <laughs> Yeah, and if you've been following this block, you kind of have a better idea of what kind of weird we're talking mm -hmm. about. Remember, this is the Cosmic Horror block, so... <laughs> that probably helps. <laughs> and if a uh, remote research station in a very cold place sounds familiar, then you're probably on the right track. Yeah, you're on the right radar there. So, of course, we do like to talk about our cast and crew from week to week, and this week it's going to be a pretty straightforward, you know, kind of bare bones because these a lot of these people don't have a ton of credits, but that's okay. So director, he's also a writer, wrote the screenplay in this story. His name is Nick Shostakowski. And with that being said, a few films of note from him as far as writing and directing credits. He directed the film Cankered, and he also directed the film Archons along with writing that. All right, now we have cinematographer Cameron Tremblay. He's also known for helping on the film Archons. We have editor Matthew J. Barrett. It's really the only thing of note outside of a couple of shorts that he's done. This was also produced by Cameron Tremblay and Matthew J. Barrett. Production company on this is a Farewell to Kings Entertainment Company, which is a big shout-out to King Crimson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we've got distributors Raven Banner Entertainment for the 2016 Canadian release and Monarch Home Entertainment help with the 2016 United States release. We have tagline, There is Something Under the Ice. I feel like that tagline sells this movie as something different than what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's because true. it's so ambiguous the way it's they say true, that. Yeah. But it's not what you necessarily think it means. Right. 
Exactly. It's not like the Meg is coming up from under the ice. No, no, no nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. All right. So moving into our cast, I'm going to lead off with Shane Twarden. plays the role of Jensen in the film. A few things of note from him. He was in the film Adam and Evil. He was a part of Hastings Street. He was also in She Who Must Burn and White Raven. All right. We've got Michael Dixon plays the role of Professor Piers Olsen. A few things of note from him. He was in When the Wheels Fall Off. He was a part of Rock and Roll Christmas, A Cheerful Christmas, the Perfect Wedding and Christmas Plus One. You want to guess what kind of films those are? Ooh, Hallmark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we've got Carl Toftfeldt plays the role of Francis Martin. A few things to note from him. He was in Tener Kunjen, which is a Swedish film, and he was also part of Psych television series back in 2013. I think he did a one-off episode. I'm not going to lie, I can't remember any of these cats' names. Looking at them, I think yeah. I kind of know which one's which, but... Yeah, Jensen is black-haired guy, one of the first guys we right. meet. Right, so Jensen's yeah. the guy that looks like fucking what's-his-name that plays Punisher. John Bernthal. Yeah, he does. He certainly does. All right. Dixon's the new guy that's the professor? Yeah, he okay. looks like... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm kind of controversial. I was like, that's a... Peter Dinklage, full-grown-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, if Peter Dinklage and Matt Berry had a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's no offense. It's just like, he looks so much like Peter Dinklage. It was like, is that his twin? All right. Francis Martin is the guy who looks like he could have been supernatural, perhaps. Kind of shaggier hair dude. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's... He was also um, the guy who wrote the paper, or his thesis, on Olsen. Right. Okay, gotcha. that's who that is. All right. Mark Anthony Williams is Robert Michael Giles in the film. Yeah, he's the only black character in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but a few things of note from him. He's actually in a lot of television shows, mostly one-offs as like security guards. But he was in Arrow back in 2014. He was in Supernatural back in 2015. Um, I think he was also in like Legends of Tomorrow or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 like he's been mostly like action comic book kind of stuff and he was also in archons the movie all right we've got andrew moxon plays the role of doctor okay so Richard i remember Artis. which one the doctor and which one mcnaughton is because okay. he's coming up next so exactly okay. so yeah dr richard artives a few things to note from him he was in the television show dead like me believe it or not he was in hot rod as sullivan he was in assault on wall street he was also Peter Engels in the unauthorized Saved by the Bell story, which is pretty mm. wild. He was also in the film She Who Must Burn, and he was in Fargo, the television series, back in 2017. Oh, okay. All right. Like you said, we've got Timothy Lyle plays the role of Drew McNaughton. A few things we note from him. He was in the film The Revenant. He was part of Arrow back in 2016, the television show. He was also in the film Archons, and I believe he was in a few episodes of Supergirl back in 2018. All right, we've got Steve Bradley plays the role of Stephen Wells. Few things of note from him: He was in Hastings Street, She Must Burn, Mermaid Song, and White Raven. Right, we got a few other people around on our cast and crew. I've got Bryce McLaughlin who plays the role of Ramus. He was in The Shelf Life, The Hard Cut, and Genesis Code. We've got Calvin Bonneau who plays the role of Navarone. He was in Border Town, which is a television show back in 1989 through 1990. I only think he did two episodes in that. And last but not least, we have Nathaniel Gordon who does the voice, and he voices a character plays a creature in archons mm -hmm. so that rounds out our cast and crew yeah us a brief kind of setup for the film should give our listeners some warnings uh warnings like there there is some violence and blood and gore yeah. not a ton and not it's pretty ton, quick yeah, pretty decent but like there's there's some there yeah and it gets creepy it does language there's got to be yeah there's definitely language there's gunplay stuff like that so 
don't want to give away too gambling? much. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to give away too are we, much. Are we just naming vices? There's yeah. gambling. Liquors and whores. <laughs> without any whores. <laughs> just talk of. But, yeah, without spoiling too much, that's about what you're going to get. I guess let's get in and find out how Black Mountainside made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, here we are, Danny, on our backup, mm. Black Mountainside. This is why we stopped announcing our plans. Yeah, well, I know, right? But thankfully, because we have enough experience with this, we were like, just in case. <laughs> Black Mountainside. You be honest, it's not going to hurt my feelings. It's fine. That's kind of how I feel. It's like, it's not a bad film, but it didn't. It was like, ah, it wasn't something that I necessarily haven't seen before, you know? So here's the thing. Like, this film is like, do you want to watch John Carpenter's The Thing, but can't handle all the body horror? Yeah. Then watch this. Right. It's like, do you want to watch, like, the cast of Alien and The Thing? Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like that. I mean, it's similar. It has, it's paying a little bit of homage to, to some of that, you know, more so The Thing. Mostly the thing, a little bit of the shining. Yes, absolutely. Mostly the thing. Yes. Like I said, it has trace elements of some other films, but but mainly the thing. Could be considered inspired by Lovecraft's at the Mountains of Madness, I would say. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. Much like the thing. <laughs> and here's something too, I kind of I don't have a, a like a major critique, it's just like a minor critique, if you will is I feel like you could also maybe classify this a little bit into, like, folk horror. A little bit of folk horror? A little bit, because of mentions of, of you know, natives and things of that mm-hmm. nature. And even, spoiler, since you're here, the creature itself is kind of folkloric, even though it's still playing on the cosmic idea. So let's, okay. There's not a lot to this movie. It's really not. It's really They're not. stuck out in a remote fucking place. They find the temple... And then shit starts going weird. All their workers leave, supposedly back to the res, but they're walking the wrong direction. Exactly. And then their supply drop doesn't happen, and the radio's not working, and gradually all the men go crazy and start attacking each other. It feels like everything that could go wrong in a month goes wrong in that month. And at a certain point, a creature shows up and starts talking to them. Now, there's been enough exposition up to this point where you learn that, like, oh, this deer seems to be important to the native people because of shit that they've been finding and stuff. And so this is essentially the deer god. Right. And he implies himself to be a god later on when he's talking to him. I don't think so. Mm. At least not not in, like, a normal god sense. Right, right. But if we're talking, like, elder gods or something, my theory is that the creature is something closer to, like, Nyarlathotep. The black goat with a thousand young. Okay. Except it's not a goat. It's a fucking deer. You know what's interesting too, and, and you can you can guide me with this and correct me where I'm I'm going wrong. In that case, like you said, it's it's maybe because it's conjuring up a mental image that's familiar. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that, but for us, that's probably the closest we can, I guess, imagine it or vision it as. Right. Well, like. In my mind, my headcanon is that, like, it's either Nyarlathotep or some creature akin to him, whereas Nyarlathotep, known as the black goat with a thousand young, I don't know if he ever actually appears as a goat. Pretty sure he does. I want to make sure that I'm getting um, who it is correctly. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, the black goat with a thousand young is Shubnagurath. Shubnagurath is an outer god in the pantheon, said to appear as an evil cloud-like entity, but is also in an enormous mass, which excludes black... It's supposed to have goat legs. That's why they call okay. it the black goat with a thousand young. Anyway, the thousand young, the creature just out in the... So they're just a tall creature out in the woods that's kind of Lovecraftian-based is Nyarlathotep, except we've talked about him before because he's like the the black man, but he also can is a shapeshifter. Right, right. And that makes perfect sense. And so I kind of, yeah. in my mind, I kind of combine them together. It's like, cool, so it's Nyarlathotep, shapeshifter, but also kind of the black goat with a thousand young. And the thousand young, in this case, are the fucking octopuses that they're turning into, right? Yeah, and that would be... I think more akin to what that, you know, ties into as far as that goes. Yeah. At least I think that's what it was done as an homage to. Because also, cool. obviously, turning into an octopus is... Very Lovecraftian. See, I yeah. mean, we've talked about that stuff in the past with, you know, Shadow over Innsmouth. And, I mean, we reviewed Dagon and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it makes sense. And we've talked, too, about Lovecraft and, I guess, the fear of, like, genetic, mm-hmm. you know, mishaps, if you will. So, yeah, it makes sense. But, uh... That was, like, just a minor critique. And I think that's... Not that it's, like, critical. It's really not. I just think that the way they, they preface it makes it feel like it's more of a folkloric thing. Yes. Um, that's it. But, I mean, it, it explains itself that it's not. That it's... <laughs> like, it, you know... No, it feels like a god, a deity, if you will, or whatever. An elder. It also... This movie also called back to last week because the boundaries seem to be marked by those stone things. Yeah, that's really cool. So. I was like, oh, hey, again? Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's okay. These um, were actually made shrines and not just the weird pillar things, but... Yeah, so I guess a few things that piqued my interest early on, right, was just even the, just like some of the title stuff, you know, like, oh, this is where we're at, this is the date, blah, blah, blah. Well, the first one was the area that they're in. is the Northern Taiga Cordillera up in Canada. So it's up in the northwest corner the Northwestern Territories and Yukon Territory, it kind of overlaps. But the name, the Cordillera, I was thinking more, because I read this more recently, about the Cordillerian and Laurentide ice sheets from mm. last ice age, more specifically, leading into it. And that that deals with, like, this whole idea behind global flooding with, like, whether it was comet or asteroid impacts and what have you. So I was like, oh, well... Based on where they're at, based on what this story's about, and because they keep alluding to 12,000 to 14,000 mm-hmm. to 20,000, I was like, that is literally around the last ice age, you know? And, and then they bring that up eventually. Which I think yeah. is really cool. So that kind of already piqued my interest because I'm into that kind of shit as it is. Because there's a lot of ideas about civilizations that were lost, mainly because, you know, you had this catastrophic event that. It didn't last. It wasn't like an overnight thing. This lasted for a long fucking time. Like, right. It lasted for about 1,200 years, you know, and it, it, a lot of the stuff, it spanned a couple hundred years in between these breaks. So it was like, ugh, fucking would have sucked. 
One of the things I enjoy about this movie, and I feel like it does really well, is it gives you a lot of information to set up why this is all so weird. Yeah. But it doesn't just feel like it's preaching at you. No, and it's, that, it's spread out. I like that. It's between different characters that it makes sense that they're talking about this thing, or it makes sense that these two characters are talking about that thing. It's not just one person sitting in a room and being Mr. Exposition. It very well could have been that, but no, I'm glad they didn't. You're right, because... <laughs> Even though as generic as it is to have certain characters fit certain profiles, I mean, you have to do that if you're having an expedition, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But you're right. The way they interacted, they were knowledgeable, and you didn't feel like it was forced expo, like like you were dumb. Yeah, yeah. Everything, to me, every bit of exposition makes sense. Most of it isn't exposition that actually gives you a clear-cut answer, Mm -hmm. especially because this movie... It's not super clunky. It's not. I, I don't think it's clunky. I think it's more that we look for this shit. But it does very intentionally set up that they could also all at a certain point be unreliable narrators. And that they're all just getting true. sick and going crazy from that. Yeah. And, and also just isolation crazy. And which is why we keep it. getting Shining references. Like the bouncing of the fucking ball. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And you're right, because it makes you wonder that, right? You know, It gives you the scientific out, not just the yes, supernatural, absolutely. not just the cosmic. And, and I do like that, like I said, because it's playing with both. You're absolutely right. If you're really paying attention, it's playing with both those concepts. There's enough ambiguity, right, to where, yeah, are these guys really just, because of isolationism, they're looking forward to going, that they're kind of driving themselves to this heightened state, maybe of, you know, delirium and... You know, all this other stuff. So, yeah, maybe, you know, very well could be them just going through cabin fever, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. The movie sets that up as an out. I wish there were, they found more ways to play with that idea mm-hmm. of people, like, seeing shit and then it not being there. Yeah, that would have been kind of neat. Yeah, like, what was that? Having weird shit happen that then didn't happen, so you don't know for sure what is happening or not. Yeah. But to play into the... Del- possible delirium aspect more yeah exactly. because i feel like based off what we see in this movie and the fact that there's not really an audience viewpoint character arguably the professor being the new guy but yeah that's about it maybe then i'd say that's a stretch i feel like we follow um fucking what's the leader guy's name jensen i feel like we follow jensen just as much as we follow the professor I, i agree with that too yeah, there's certain characters that you do follow for not extended periods of time, but yeah, more than you would expect from mm-hmm. points of view. Yeah, given that the viewpoint bounces around and shit, like, I just didn't... They give Delirium as an out, but to me, it's pretty obvious something's fucked up. Like, yeah. getting fucked up. And, and that, that's... That's kind of what I liked. more way to watch the movie, whether... Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, like, so whether you want to or not. I think, for me, it's just... You know, go through this movie. I was like, this is how I, I came away with it, at least in, in terms of how I experienced it. It's like, all right, I want to play with the idea, like like I was saying earlier, they found this site, right, this archaeological site that could predate a lot of preconceived notions about Clovis culture, Mesoamerican, pre-Mesoamerican culture, etc., and push the date further back in time. Mm-hmm. That could either coincides with the last Ice Age or couple thousand years before that mm-hmm. which is like you were looking at 20 plus 22,000 plus years ago at the extreme edge of that I guess 
But regardless, in setting up, like, there was a culture at one time that erected this for whatever reason. But then the thing I like about it, too, is it's playing with, all right, there was probably some kind of either an ancient bacteria, like these guys scientifically are saying, like, it thawed out because mm-hmm. we're, we're digging into this shit. Or on the other side of that, it's like, they were probably like venerating some kind of god or deity that we see in the film, right? Yeah, you can play with god. both, right? And I like that. So, and then shit started happening. That's what I'm saying. So once those those workers, because they have direct contact with it, they're the ones who are out in the field working on. It. So you would think they would have more of a maybe they're more directly influenced because of their interaction with those. And we're getting at so yeah, they would be the first ones to show signs of it. You don't really ever see the workers, no. But and you know that. They at first think that they're heading back to the res, but I feel like the way that they talk about it implies that most of them are First Nations anyway. Mm-hmm. Probably that they could hire on the cheap. That's just that, yeah. And we know that it's the First Nations in that area that 600, 700 year, years ago erected the boundaries. So it's one of those things where yeah. like, you can kind of assume that they'd like realized what oh, they were course. getting at. And, and like, they were no, like, we're... oh, wait, all those stories are real? We're getting the fuck out Well, see, of that. that's just it, too. Like, we started this because that's just it yeah, too. maybe it's just some bullshit. Right. And how much... Well, I can't say that. But I mean, I was going to say something a little bit. <laughs> I was like, well, how much do these guys know about... I was like, well, no, because they got freaking guys from universities that are study cultures mm-hmm. and these kind of things. So, Because even allude to, like, was it the Dogrib tribe? That's a real tribe. I looked all that stuff up. But the whole point being, right, they, they know the markers. Like, if you're First Nations and you're familiar with these kind of things, it's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be fucking around with this stuff. Yeah, I, I, I took this job because I didn't believe, but right, then we which, started like running said, into shit, and if you, if you I'm ready to believe. If we're not, you know, you and I, but just a universal we, if we're going to draw a line between, like, you know, sanity and going into, like, the... Maybe delusional, your your hallucinating stuff side of the story. I like that because it's it's playing with both. Like you can read into it both ways, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of not that it's unique, but that's the fun of these kind of things. There's enough ambiguity where you can read in both. It is you weird want to be though skeptic, that it goes the ro- that they go the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I don't get that part because no. I also don't think that it was the creature that made them do that necessarily. No, not necessarily. But I, I mean, if if you're going to read into that. Right on that side of it, you'd be like, Yeah, of course, it influenced it. Like I said, it was they had contact with it, maybe unbeknownst that they crossed that. But by then, if we're playing with the cosmic core idea, mm-hmm. it's like it's too late, man. You already crossed that boundary too fucking late. I don't know, man. Then they all start sitting around and going crazy. Yeah, like there's not a lot of action in this movie, not really. It's, it I is will say, the scenes that pop off fucking pop off. I didn't when they expect, do too, yeah, I didn't expect when. It's like, I don't know what's going on. Let's go check it out. And they bust in the door, and homie's already fucking being held down. And his arm's all, all fucked up and shit. And it's all writhing and shit, and they yeah. have to take the axe to it. That was well. That scene yeah. went from fucking 2 he to was, 10 in a fucking split second. He was the guy who, you know, chucked up that blood Yeah. in the scene. So, like I said, it depends on how you want to read into it. Were they hallucinating that he was having that, or was it they were like, well, he's the first, he's sick. <laughs> that kind of, you know but the whole point is is like I like that too like that scene really popped off shit like oh okay I wasn't expecting that I think it was a little homage to the way they did that it's probably just like scanners yeah with, you know I was like that was cool but wasn't expecting it and they soldered that shit <laughs> I was like oh, okay I'm, I'm down that was pretty cool 
Then oh. homie chopped off his hand after that McNaughton. It wasn't mm-hmm. long after that he chopped his hand off. You're like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, once again, I wasn't quite expecting that when he walked in the door for him to just be sitting there <laughs> handless. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, here we go. That's it like, was pretty good. Yeah, I was kind of curious because, you know, we did we did watch the trailer before. It all makes more sense now. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking about that, so, you know, maybe like halfway or so through the film. I was like, okay, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it, it shows you, it kind of gives you the idea of what they're there for. And then, where okay, where is it going to start popping off at? Mm-hmm. If it's going to play into like the thing and all this other paced kind of stories, I was like, well, okay, well it's not bad. Here we go. This is, this is it. I'll tell you what though, I like the idea, and how they're playing with it, but man, the fucking creature and the evil voice. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. No, look like it. a fucking sock deer. Yeah. It's like I get it. What what I find, and this is. Like I said, I don't want to discredit anything about this film or the you know people go into making it. It's beside the point. But yeah, when when it falls flat, it falls flat. But to their credit, once again, they didn't. I mean, it was probably shot on them. I think he alluded to like maybe a thirty thousand dollar budget, something like that. Right. You know, so it was shoestring. But yeah, I you know don't get me wrong. I was like, probably granted to what they had to work with. Like the guy who was doing the voice wasn't bad. He's got a good voice. But I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know if that's what a you know, necessarily like a deity or something like that, uh, a cosmic god. I don't know, man, if that's how you want to tell that. I don't, yeah, I don't, even if you would have just put some more processing on it or something, made it a yeah. little bit more, give it a well, little bit more reverb or something, I'm not sure. But Here's, here's something, too, because I'm wondering if this is maybe cost, you know, like in their, in their mind, like maybe this was going to cost more than, you know, mm-hmm. than we had in our budgets, what I'm trying to say is the lack of music or lack of like sound or I mean, not sound, but like sound design more mm. specifically, like you don't, there's none of that in this film at all. Like that was kind of when I was typing my notes and doing all the cast and crew stuff, I'm like, well, okay, well, there's no composer. I was looking for like anything. I was like, no, <laughs> that's kind of interesting because I'm wondering how much they were trying to lean into like that isolationism. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not distracted by maybe a score or like anticipation of something because of that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how you know, like I said, I don't know if it was because of that. I don't know if it was budgetary or it was like purposely done, but ah, sometimes when you when you do that, it does make things kind of feel flat. And then like once shit goes crazy for a little bit, then it kind of settles back down. And then it goes crazy again. It does. <laughs> it does. And I don't know, like, it's all pretty good. Like, I really dug the scene where dude thinks that the corpse is talking to him yeah, and fucking bashes in the head with his, the fucking butt of the rifle. But yeah, because I, all right, this and is, I was not expecting the fucking shooting rampage. No, uh, all that was kind of cool. Like, I'll give it credit. It's like, yeah, like, it took me off guard, I'm but okay with that. it's also fine. I mean, it's kind of anticlimactic in a way, too, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. It, it leaves enough room for us to, like, if you want to go that route, of course, if you want to chew on the film afterwards, like, oh, yeah, did they really go crazy or did they did they come up upon a place, right, that if they would have done a little bit more research, should have known to stay off limits, even though they're finding this is like, maybe we should not fuck with that. Maybe it was buried for a reason, you know, that kind of stuff. 
And so uh, you can read into both sides of the argument if you want to play that game. Like, no, they went crazy. No, there was an actual, you know, cosmic god that set its footprint here long ago, and you fucked around and found out. It reminds me so much of last week where it's just, it's another area-based cosmic yeah. parasite. I, I do feel like that. And because it leans so heavy into the thing, it's like, even the whole idea of like, oh, it's turning, like you were saying, it's turning into an octopus or not like poorly, but it's like the cells are all little replicants of that. What are fucking octopuses supposed to do out in the fucking north of Canada? Fuck if I know. <laughs> that's just it. It's like, that's more like... I need to lean into the Lovecraft shit a little bit heavier. Unless it's going to be like the Star Children of Cthulhu, but then like, I don't know. Maybe like those planet seeds. But then we didn't get any, like if if it can turn people into that shit, yeah. and that's why people eventually left, theoretically. Right. Like, why didn't it still just take over if it's that powerful? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, we don't we <laughs> didn't get a reason for like why we should really be afraid of it other than on like a, they're going to go crazy and kill each other level. But exactly. it feels like it, it sets itself up to be a bigger threat that isn't right. And now here's what I found interesting too, because you can, you can look this up on Wikipedia. Unless it is bound to those boundaries. <laughs> some people, despite what it's saying. No, I, I agree. I was like, some people were commenting on, on a, uh, an idea that this film was talking about global warming and, <laughs> and the director, I just so happy because I was trying to figure out how to fucking pronounce his last name. I watched a, a short uh, interview he had with this other group on um, YouTube. And they brought that up, right? And he's like, I've seen that before. Not not my intention, just coincidental. He's like, I like the idea that people can read into that, but that's not our intention. That like, He's like, I'm from Alberta. Like, there's not very many environmentalists in Alberta, because, I mean, it's like, they drill oil, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, I was like, no, but I think it's more akin to, like, it's not necessarily the, uh, like I said, because of, you know, this thawing process, it's more like, no, they went into an area, like I said, that has this long history, and because of, probably because of the Ice Age, that shit got buried up, and now because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's warming up, coincidentally, hasn't, you know, now it's being exposed, and it's releasing that bacteria and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's more akin to that. It's not like a warning sign. It's just like it's a byproduct of. Mm -hmm. Liked this movie. For this block, I wish it would have ended up being a little bit more clear-cut cosmic horror. Right, right. Rather than arguably folk horror. Yeah. I will say, though, that it is, despite not being clear-cut cosmic horror, it is definitely clear-cut Lovecraftian. Yeah. In the sense that it's, People going mad from finding forbidden knowledge. Precisely. It, it plays a lot with those ideas. And I would say even, I would even argue a little bit, and it's more, it gets more to like conspiracy theory territory a little bit. It's like, not necessarily the idea of panspermia, but more so the idea of like octopus being an alien entity that inhabited, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I think it maybe leans into that a little bit, but it's more because of the Lovecraft idea of, you know, people being like you know deformed and all that shit right taking on like yeah they look like sea creatures man they got freaking flippers and shit yeah it's not it's not the insmouth look because that's more fishy but right but you, it's, it's leaning the, it's the idea yeah. yeah and i think that's more akin to that so yeah all through and through like you were saying too uh not a bad film it's um very canadian <laughs> i'm surprised not really but i'm kind of surprised it entered the Fantasia Film Festival up in 
Montreal. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, it's Montreal's Canada, so they're going to be a little bit more friendly. Mm -hmm. But in the same film festival, you had Green Inferno. And let me see, I want because I want to get this right. There was another film too. I was like, what? oh, Creep. Look, it was Creep. Oh, shit. So, no offense, Black Mountainside. I think you're fine. I liked you. Solid seven yeah, out of ten. I would agree. But Green Inferno, if you can handle it, is a better movie. Dude, yeah. And Creep, my. Yeah, and it's like, more interesting I mean, to watch. I think that that's just it because it's so subjective. You know what I mean? It's like, this might be somebody's fucking, you know, peanut butter and jam. Look, it's a beautiful movie. It I'm shot extremely well, shows off the Canadian wilderness. Jesus, and I was just thinking that it's like, it really does give you the idea of that isolationism and how insignificant you are depending on where you're at, like, on a grand scale. It's like, man, some of that stuff would be kind of like, yeah, it looks small from those aerial shots, but when you put yourself in there, like, it shows you how insignificant you are in proportion. Mm -hmm. And Creep is a fucking oh. gem. I love that because there's so much dark humor in that too. Like that's mainly because that's more kind of the stuff I like anyway. So I, I'm more prone to be, be into that. Not that I don't like this because I just feel like it's the pacing. It's too familiar with other films to where I'm like, okay, where, where you, what are you going to do? That's a little different or, you know, make me think outside the box. And it doesn't really do that. Said, so, look, if you can't handle the thing, watch this instead. Yeah, I would agree. Like it's, if you don't want to see body horror and all that other gory grotesque seen, stuff, yeah. If you've seen some of those clips that everybody's fucking seen at this point of like and you don't want to the see head that. and shit, and you don't want to see that, yeah, watch this. Yeah, and, and I agree. There's that scene with, you know, who is it? McNaughton who blasts mm -hmm. his fucking head, and yeah, when Olsen is confront or they're talking, I was like, yeah, that's like this alien creature, if you will, communicating with them and it's fucking with them. It's like, yeah, you get all that without it being oh, too over the top. Put it that way. Plus, there's moments that are just going to catch you by surprise. Yeah. Well, I, Likewise. I like mean, I said, it, it, I did not expect, when this popped off, I didn't expect it to pop off as quickly as it did or in the ways that it did. No. The shooting rampage is wild. It's not that interesting, but it's no. wild. Exactly. Not, like I said, unexpected. It's like, okay, you got me. What, what's going on? <laughs> the other thing that's wild is the way this movie ends. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah. I was like, wait, credits? It makes sense, but okay. It's I, even okay set up earlier. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The intro and outro are same shit, essentially. But then, it I don't know. When there's no narrators left at the end of the film, it makes the idea of an unreliable narrator harder to swallow. Because mm. it's not like this is a story that got out. You know what I mean? yeah. That's where I feel like it's, it's too much like the thing. It's like, I, I immediately felt like, now that this is what they were doing, I was like, oh, it's it's kind of like the camp that happened before Kurt Russell and all their mm -hmm. camp happened. It's like that. Like, it felt like I was dropped into that story in a sense that whoever comes upon that, they're just going to see it as like, what the fuck happened here? You know, I know there was a research group. Did they go crazy? What the fuck? And then it repeats itself. Maybe. That's kind of what I feel like. May exactly. Maybe if anybody even gives a fuck to go up there to begin with. It's, yeah, because that's a, they were cut off to the point where you would think somebody on the outside would send a rescue team mm -hmm. far sooner than we ever saw one, especially because all it would take is sending a fucking helicopter up there. Yeah, I mean, they, to their credit a little bit, they did allude that 
it's hard to get up there because of engine failure, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's not like that. I would imagine all the fucking time. Right. Not all the time. You can pick a good day because they're up there for like how long? I wasn't paying attention to the dates, but like no, this movie uh, but they've been up there takes for a place bit. over the course of like a month. They go yeah, just that time period we see them in, but they've been there before that. Right. I want to say a couple of years. I think they said maybe three years up there researching that shit. Right. So they're already used to having to go up there decently often and there's never good weather. Yes, they're a little bit spooked off because a helicopter went down 50 miles away. But if you have an entire research team that hasn't been supplied, in, yeah. I mean, I one of the times I think is at least two weeks beyond what their supply date was supposed to be. Yeah. At some point in those two weeks, you send somebody up there. You would think, man, it's like, all right, that's enough time that we're like, yeah, we got to check on our homies. Cause... So if the influence cut them off that completely, then maybe it doesn't even repeat. In which case, yeah, this movie falls even flatter. <sighs> Because at yeah. least if it it has the ominous of like it's going to repeat, then like then more people are going to die. I, it, these are like those big what ifs. Like for me, you know, what have been kind of a neat ending is is like him getting that trap right before they they go black with the you know it's like you hear maybe the sound of a helicopter in the background. Mm. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, okay, here's that crew coming in now, and homie's caught in a trap. It's too late for him. <laughs> Okay, helicopter shows up to rescue him. Don't rescue the guy caught in the trap. No. How about it turns out homie stopped bleeding from his gunshot wound mm. because he turned octopus enough to seal it up. I'm cool with that, too. And then he gets rescued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like... So now you have that threat going to the outside world. Yes, exactly. And it ends on that tense note of like, oh, shit. It's about to spread. Is he just crazy? Or... Yeah, exactly. No, I like that, too. It's like, yeah, he, he could be the host. If you will. But instead it just ends. Yeah, exactly. They just die. Exactly. They're dead up in the Canadian wilderness, <laughs> which... Well, that's just... It's like... If you're that far north... Yeah, that's just it. That's going to happen. Sorry, so, buddy. Uh, you know, of all the places I was going to vacation, that is definitely not it. <laughs> cool it sounds. No no offense, but I'm good. I don't know, man. I think that's about all I got on this one, because, like, no. it's fine. I, no, I, I did enjoy watching it, but... Well, um, that's just it's like there was will a lie again, probably not. Probably not when not I have either. the thing to watch. Well, because like just to, if we're gonna do side by side from last week to this week, like I'm gonna watch the endless. Yeah. Like probably nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. You know, because on that ninth after the ninth time, I'm like, I'm maybe gonna need to switch it up. Does that mean you shouldn't watch it? No. No, do it at least once. Well, to so get it, the top, this is why it's subjective. It's like this. This is our experience with it. It looks like it's not a bad film. There's enough ideas within this film where it keeps me interested. Like, I'm always talking about the fact, like, I like the idea of the whole, you know, Younger Dryas period with The Last Ice Age, and they allude to a lot of that stuff. I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, even you don't necessarily have to read into all that. I think that's kind of cool within itself. And you're playing with folklore. That's kind of cool. And you're playing with H.P. Lovecraft. and That's cool. But it's just, uh, kind of fell flat in those arenas to me. All right. Oh, God, what was the name of this? Or the, what was the Cabinet of Curiosity? What was the GDT anthology series called? Oh, it was Cabinet of Curiosities, yeah. Okay, this or the Cabinet of Curiosities Dreams in the Witch House? <laughs> oh, man, God damn it. I'd, I'll probably watch this. I'd probably watch this, too. <laughs> the more thing is, like, no offense, Ron, but I think I'd probably watch this. The Pikmin's model was dope. Yeah, no, of course it was. But yeah, that that was uh, that was not a good episode. It's nah. like I, I get what they were doing. It's just that wasn't it, bro. That wasn't 
shouldn't have done that. But, you know, it, it's okay. That's subjective. But, yeah, that just wasn't a good Dreams in the Witch House. It really wasn't. Like, you know, not all of them are going to be, you know, blockbusters, if you will. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd say this, too, though. I think I would. If I had, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Which Lovecraft inspired this one? I know, yeah, this one. This one. So, next week's Child's Play? Yeah. If you have our Patreon? Yeah, and I'll think about that, right? Three bucks gets you in. Where, where's three bucks going to get you in? Just about anywhere else. I mean, if you know me, three bucks will also get you in. Well, that's just that's... it. You got to know us first. <laughs> <laughs> three bucks gets you in, is what I'm saying, all right? So, yeah, there you go. That's how I'm building that. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Get oh, back to some Brad Dorif. Oh, dude, yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun reasons to talk about that film. You've got a really cool reason to talk about it. I, yeah, I mean, I'll tell the story again. <laughs> I know, not? but it's still fun. Why not? Why not? But for this time, I guess, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms? Ow. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Peace.